Unstoppable Success Radio, episode 340. I'm Kelly Roach, and you are listening to Unstoppable Success Radio, the podcast for achievers, believers, dreamers, and doers who want to build a profitable, sustainable business around a life of purpose, fulfillment, freedom, and family. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am thrilled to have an exciting new first on the show today, which is that I have the opportunity to bring to you our first Olympic silver medalist. Her name is Sam Peshek. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So not only, Sam, did you climb to the top of the athletic world, making it all the way to the Olympics, and not just making it to the Olympics, but becoming an Olympic medalist, you were a three times NCAA champion, a 17 times All-American, you were in the USAG Hall of Fame, Um, you're a broadcaster, a motivational speaker, but now you're conquering and taking by storm the business world as well with the work that you're doing as the co-founder of Gympire, as well as the Beam Queen Bootcamp. So I am thrilled to have you here today. Um, I know our listeners have a lot to learn from you. So a big welcome from myself and the entire Unstoppable Army. Great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks. Definitely. Well, so let's talk a little about about your story and your journey. First of all, um, how did you know, you know, that you wanted to dedicate your life and your your focus and your training towards becoming an Olympian? And, you know, where did that journey start? How did you progress? What were some of the biggest learnings along the way for you? So it's actually a funny story. Um, my, my parents are both college athletes. My mom was a gymnast and my dad was a collegiate hockey player and wrestler. So naturally, I was a little bit more of an athletic kid and very competitive um, as a young child. But I remember watching the 1996 Olympics when I was five years old. And it's when the USA Gymnastics team won the gold medal in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sure you remember it well. And after that moment, uh, I decided that I wanted to go to the Olympics. I wanted to be exactly like those girls that I saw on TV. They were my heroes. I memorized how they did their hair and how their facial expressions were when they competed and just digested everything that they did. And so the the funny part about this is I was actually not very good at gymnastics at this point. So I was this really cocky kid. um, And my mom had to oftentimes apologize for me because I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the Olympics one day. And uh, my mom's like, oh, excuse her. And, And I wasn't very good. I wasn't very flexible. I wasn't very disciplined. I was just silly. I loved gymnastics, but I had a lot of fear problems and a lot of things that I actually was held back um, a couple levels while my friends were levels ahead of me because I really, I was talented, but I just, it wasn't there yet. And so I remember in third grade, um, you know, teachers ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I wanted to be an Olympian. And I remember my teacher so clearly saying, okay, well, you know, if that doesn't happen, what, what do you want to do? And there was no plan B for me. And I didn't understand why she would ask this because I already told her I was going to go to the Olympics. And so um, I think I just had this undenying will um, that even it didn't matter what obstacles would be in my way. It didn't matter how hard it was going to be. At the end of the day, I knew I was going to be an Olympian. and, And that's that's it. It was so black and white to me. 
Wow. Okay. So in third grade, you like have this crystal clarity that the, that this is what you're going to do. And I'm sure in yep. third grade, you have no idea what's ahead of you in terms of what it's going to take and how deep you're going to have to dig in order to make this happen. So talk to us a little bit about like, you know, once you actually started committing to this process and, and got in it, like what, what happened? Like what were, what were some of your big learnings? What were your findings? Like how did you keep that will so strong to like make it to your final destination? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I did. I, you know, looking back when, when you're in it, it doesn't seem weird. And I always went to a normal school. And so I had friends that, you know, did recreational sports for our school or played a couple different sports and no one really understood why, you know, I left early from school and trained for five hours a day. I mean, I loved it. I was one of the weirdos that loved the grind. Um, you know, every day, I, I guess, wasn't sunshine and rainbows. But, you know, when I would lay my pillow down after practice, I would be like really proud of myself that one, I was able to get through a really tough practice and be that I knew that I was improving each day and that the light at the end of the tunnel was this dream to go to the Olympics. And so um, for me, it was it was the chase and it was the um like put one foot in front of the other. There were days where I would have to literally crawl from my bed to the bathroom because I was so sore and I, my body was so tired and fatigued. And it's like, once you get into it and I made the national team when I was 12 years old, I was the youngest member of the junior national team at that time. I didn't even know that I was trying to make a national team at this competition. I just happened to do it. And I guess I was very really blessed in that way that I was a little bit sheltered. I didn't get the pressure yet. And so I started competing internationally when I was 12. And, um, you know, it's hard. It is so hard. I didn't really eat vegetables or eat healthy before this. And then obviously, you know, you're training with the national team. I had to, you know, eat salad and change my diet and eat as healthy as possible because every single thing I did in my life had to revolve around me being the best gymnast I could be, whether that was inside the gym or outside the gym. I made sure to get out eight hours of sleep. And so it was like this, we called it, my family and I called it the bubble. So I was living this bubble life for, you know, two years before the Olympics because I wanted to do everything as perfectly as I could to be the best I could be, to feel the best that I could be. And so it really, you know, I, I, I thank my parents and my sister a lot because, we had to really, it was a group effort of, you know, getting me to, to feel the best and to get the acupuncture treatments and to do everything kind of revolved around me being the best that I could be. Uh, and it's quite a shift, to, you know, to, to get to that point. And, and so as you kind of got older and got closer to your goal, what were some of the, the rituals that you developed, like during the hard times, you know, to, to keep you going? Cause I think, you know, it's easy when you're motivated and you're on top of the world and you had a great practice or you had a great performance or whatever the case to, you know, come with that passion. Not so much, um, after you've gone through a period of struggle or you get in a rut or you're, you know, not executing the way that you're, you're working, your results are not aligning with that. How did you kind of keep yourself motivated or what rituals did you develop during the down times? That, that's a good question. Um, so I think a lot of the down times when you get to be an elite gymnast or an elite athlete of any sort, you're always going to have injuries or fatigue or days where you just 
it's going to behoove you to take a couple steps backwards rather than pushing yourself and breaking, if that makes sense. And so there were there were certain practice days where my coach had to physically be like, okay, today is a rest day. We need to do less to help your body feel better. Or days where, um, you know, I would hurt my knee and or I had to take a couple weeks off. And that was really, really hard for me because I always wanted to do more. So kind of backing off and seeing the potential in improving even though you're taking a couple steps backwards, gymnastics is, I would argue, 80% mental. And so focusing on how I can get better, even though I want to be training and I can't. So that's visualization. That is the power of mind. I remember I was so desperate to get my body healthy. I did everything in my power. I did acupuncture. I did the power of believing that your body is feeling better and you wake up and maybe you feel a little bit better. You know, anything in my power to be the best that I could be. And that's kind of, it was hard because I wanted to train, but it was going to hurt my body more. So I kind of had to take the mental approach and focus on how I can get better, even though I'm not physically doing gymnastics. Yeah, that's really interesting because as I bring different people on the show that have had extraordinary success in all different realms, it always comes back to the same theme of, you know, 80% of it being mental, 80% or more, which I believe the same, obviously, about business. I always say you can put two business owners side by side and the one that is like mentally, physically, spiritually locked in um, and optimized is, is always going to knock the results out of the park versus the one that maybe sacrifices or compromises mentally, physically, spiritually in order to try and achieve the results. And they can be doing the exact same thing with stark, stark differences in the results that they gain. So it's really interesting to hear you bring it back to that once again. Definitely. Yeah. And I think balance has a lot of power too. At least that's how I was brought up um, with my parents. It was it was important for me to go to a regular school and have the social experience and the academic experience and to kind of, you know, take a step back from gymnastics a couple hours, you know, however long you go to school, five hours a day, six hours a day. And then, you know, you kind of compartmentalize. So it teaches you that, you know, yeah, I am competing at the highest level. And yeah, I had to sit in my car and give me give myself a pep talk that I needed to go to practice and that this was my dream and goal because it's on the really hard days. It's really, really hard to get yourself to do something, even though it's your lifelong dream and goal. So I think that's the, the, a good message too, of just perseverance. And if that's your end goal, just stick to the end goal and stick to the plan and, and kind of persevere through those hard days. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you make it all the way to the Olympics. You you get a medal at the Olympics. It's like the ultimate, you know, end goal, success, highest high. What what do you feel in that moment? And then where does your thought process go in terms of mapping where you decide to take your life from there? So I guess the the you know, the most the greatest moment from the Olympics that I can remember is it, it kind of all coming full circle. So before we even um, won a medal, you're not really supposed to practice in the arena or you don't get to practice in the arena before you compete in it. And so I remember walking into the arena and we were in Beijing and I remember seeing more American flags than Chinese flags. And all I could hear was the crowd chanting USA, USA. And that was what I saw when I was five years old, when the 96 team walked into that Atlanta, Georgia crowd. And so for me, it was like this epiphany of my dream was finally coming true. And I was finally one of those girls that I'd always wanted to be. And it was just like 
you know, I can't even describe how, how I felt at that moment, but, you know, even making the team or practicing, it doesn't feel any different because you're so focused on your routines and and your training. But that moment was kind of like the come to Jesus moment of, whoa, I cannot believe that I'm, I'm finally here. And so obviously to win a medal with my team was a remarkable experience. We're all still really close. We, you know, you travel and you go through the hardships and, um, it's funny because people always view gymnastics as an individual sport, but if they only knew what went on behind the scenes and how many times we had to pick each other up, um, because your family's not there, you know, you have yourself and you have your coach and you have the girls. And so if you don't build, you are, it's going to be a way harder experience than, you know, coming close to these girls and, and treating them like family. I always say that we're, we're not even like friends anymore. It's, it's kind of past that point. It's like, we know each other so well that it's like, we're family. So, um, just the whole experience, people ask like, how fun was it? And fun is just not the word to describe it, but you know, the, the rewarding experience and the pride of competing for your country kind of trumps everything else in that moment. That is awesome. I love that. And it's so nice to hear that too about the relationships that are built and maintained. And, you know, I was an NFL cheerleader and, you know, people always ask me about the experience. And I always say I was so blown away by the quality of women and their careers and their families and their life and everything that they built for themselves and everything that they did beyond the field that was like so inspiring. And I was the youngest on the team. So I always looked up to them. And, you know, we had doctors and we had scientists and we had real estate agents and everything in between. And it's such a cool experience to get to be on like a team, you know, like that. And and people don't realize how much that team comes together in support of the common cause, even though each person obviously is working to be their best and do their best amidst that. Definitely. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly the experience that I kind of have now. And I, at the Olympics, I was roommates with Alicia Sacramoni and she was someone that I looked up to. She was four years older than me. We, I had always, had older friends. And so, you know, we were, we were, we always got along great, but you know, fast forward and now she's married, has, has a baby and we don't live in the same state. We've never lived in the same state, but we kind of had this great idea together to start the gym pyre, which is a gymnastics based fitness community. And it's right now it's just on social media. Uh, we eventually want to create programs and things like that. Certain sports like tennis or golf, you can play, even when you're retired, you can play, you know, pick up leagues or, you know, casually play the sport. Gymnastics is one of those where you, you can't really casually do gymnastics. And so right. a lot of people go through this transition period when they retire of, okay, how do I work out one? I want to stay in shape, but I'm not sure how, cause we're so used to the gymnastics training aspect. And you kind of feel a little bit lost because you don't really wean out of the sport. It's just an abrupt ending. And so we kind of wanted to create this community where, you know, whether you're a former gymnast or a former athlete, you can kind of still train and do unique exercises because, you know, working out, it, it, we're used to working out so often that, it gets very monotonous and boring. So we kind of wanted to build this community where we can motivate each other. And so far it's been really, really fun. That is awesome. That's, that's so great. So for, for you, do you still, do you still train? Do you still work out? Do you like how, how involved do you stay? Do you continue to do gymnastics or are you transitioning completely out of it? I retired after the 2015 NCAA national championships But each year I've had one like event or a commercial or something where I've had to to flip. And so it's been an interesting experience, like getting out of, you know, gymnastic shape and 
into I call like normal people fitness gotcha. <laughs> shape. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, once a year I I kind of get myself geared up to flip and it's been fine. So we'll see how long I can keep that up. But yeah, I, I would say working out is a very very big part of my life. I live in Santa Monica, California, and it's a perfect area to stay fit. And, you know, whether I'm just going on a walk with my roommates or going on a hike or just kind of living the active lifestyle that before when I was a gymnast, not that I wasn't allowed to go on hikes or go on runs, but you never wanted to do anything that might make you too sore to practice the next day. Yes. So yes. it's been fun. Yeah, exactly. So it's been fun to kind of figure out my body and try a lot of different workouts. And it's all so new and exciting um, but you know, staying toned and staying in shape. I found this year, which is, is really weird. You know, I'm still trying to lose muscle. I don't need all this muscle anymore. So I've, I found that my body really responds well to, to walking and hiking. So that's definitely been something that I've wanted to incorporate more into my workout regimen. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, so in terms of fo- focusing for the future, you have this community that you're building online, which is awesome and sounds like it's much needed because there's nothing else out there like it. What are some of the other big things in your life right now that you're excited about, that you're focused on for the future? Where, where do you go from here? So I actually created something else this year called the Beam Queen Bootcamp. And this is kind of definitely been my baby of 2017. Um, It has been, I've put, you know, all my heart and joy into this project um, because A, A, I think there's a really big need for it and B, it's really fun to start my own thing. Um, So I've been doing gymnastics camps in the summer since I've been 16 years old. So right after the Olympics, each summer I would go and travel to different camps around the country and do all these camps. So 10 years later, I kind of, saw that there was a need. I would always be the coach on beam and there's just not enough time to break down the mental aspect of the, the event and to help really change the foundation of how gymnasts view beam. It's usually typically the make it or break it event. A lot of young gymnasts hate the event. Um, I had a lot of fear problems and I almost quit the sport because of beam. Uh, and then it became my best event and my favorite event. So I feel like I have so much to give back specifically on this event because I hear horror stories of girls saying they're going to quit because they're just so afraid of flipping on a four inch beam, which makes sense. So I created the Beam Queen Boot Camp, which is a two day, four hours each day Um training, which basically we do. We focus on confidence training. We do dance, we do choreography, we do silly stuff to kind of break down the barrier and the stereotype that being is this big, bad, scary thing. And really, you know, if you take the three rules, kind of uh, the curriculum that I give the boot campers, if you remember these three rules, beam is not scary anymore. So it's all the things that I wish that I had when I was a young gymnast that I put into one camp. So I've been able to bring a lot of Olympians to come back and we share our beam stories. I also didn't know that it was okay to be afraid when I was younger. None of my teammates were ever afraid. And so I felt alone and just kind of, you know, by myself. So I just wanted to share our stories so they know that, you know, even if you're afraid, you can still go to the Olympics, you can still get a college scholarship. Um, It's just a bump in the road that you have to just keep working at. So it's been so fun to give back to the sport that has given me everything basically. And so we, I started with one and I was only planning on doing one. And then we got, you know, email inquiries from gyms from 21 different states and three different countries. So (laughs) yeah, we ended up doing four. Yeah. This, this, 
2017 was year zero. So we ended up doing four. So I'm hoping for, you know, 2018 being, you know, in my head year one, we're going to do like 10. That's awesome. So that's the goal. I love yeah. it. I love it. And, you know, we talk a lot on the show about like answering the calling of your market and, and, you know, really being in tune with what the wants and needs are of the people and not solving a problem that like you just want to solve, but solving a problem that, you know, people are really motivated to solve. And it sounds like you did a great job of both reflecting back on what you wish that you had and also reflecting forward on, Hey, what's happening, you know, in gymnastics today. And you're seeing all of these girls that are letting the mental, you know, blocks of the beam stand in their way and boom, you have this amazing business idea that no doubt is, you know, going to take off like wildfire. So that's awesome. And, and each summer when I go to other people's, uh, camps as a coach, it's been fun to see what they've done and what they, what's worked for them. And I wanted to create something that wouldn't be stepping on everyone's toes because all these camps, you know, I'm really good friends with, or they're my mentors. And I wanted to create something similar, but no one in the gymnastics world has ever done a camp that's focused on just one event. All, all of the camps have always been four events. So it's a really unique thing that it's just the one event. And that's the the only event that I really love the most. (laughs) So it's, it was kind of the perfect the perfect solution to, you know, not really step on other people's toes to create something unique there, there's a market for it. And so far we've been blown away with, you know, all the, the positive feedback. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what would you say are the, the biggest uh, learnings or takeaways from the business side of things? I mean, I'm sure so much translates in terms of discipline and focus and perseverance, but what would have been some of the biggest learnings for you, like on the business side, as you're starting to venture and build more on in, in that direction versus strictly in like the athletic field? Definitely. It's been, it's been tough, obviously, you, you know, it's, it's kind of like a learn as you go. Thing. Anyone that's created their own thing and you're wearing all these different hats, it's kind of like, okay, today I'm the accountant, T- tomorrow I'm marketing, you know, until, until it becomes something that you can have different roles for that. I've kind of been wearing all the hats. So I've learned so much about business this year. Um, I've also uh, started working with some brand architects that have really helped. I'm, I really like the big ideas. I like creating things, but uh, it's tough for me to figure out, okay, what's the first step? Because I want to make sure that it's perfect. You know, the gymnast mentality of not doing something until it's perfect has been tough for me because I've found that, you know, whether it's perfect, you don't really know if it's going to be perfect or not in- until you go for it. So um, instead of just not ever making a decision about something, making a decision and kind of crossing your fingers that it's the right thing. And if it's not, you're going to fix it for next time. And so uh, kind of really putting that motto into play of, of, okay, let's just make a decision, this font or this font, or, you know, this photo to advertise or this photo. It's like, okay, pick one and keep going because right now the product and the meat of what I'm doing is really great. And, you know, not, not to get caught up with all the little details at the very beginning. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, that's the thing. I think one of the biggest learning for every successful entrepreneur is, you know, be prepared to pivot, right? Have a backup plan, you know, treat everything like a test and, and, you know, don't let the fear of having things be imperfect or the fear of failure stand in the way of taking action because it's truly the only way you can learn. And I think you just shared a perfect example of that for everyone. Definitely. And, you know, I'm sure every entrepreneur or business owner wants to improve of like, okay, this went great, but what can I do better next time? So kind of reflecting something that I did 
in gymnastics in college that I want to start implementing into, you know, my business life was after I would finish a practice, I would reflect and just, it would be like a quick thing of, Hey, okay, what am I proud of that happened today at practice? And what is something that I'm going to focus on tomorrow that, that I wish that I had done better today. And so same thing after every, you know, beam queen bootcamp I do, I'm like, okay, peaks and valleys. What was the peak of this that we did really, really great, you know, as a group. And so I kind of talked to my staff about this too, when we collectively go around and say our peaks and valleys of the beam queen bootcamp and the valleys meaning, okay, this could be a little bit smoother next time, or, you know, so-and-so is in the wrong group. How can we make sure that this girl, all these girls are, are in the appropriate group or what this, that, or the other. So it's kind of been a good learning tool of, okay, I'm going to pat myself on the back, but we're going to keep improving. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. That's the name of the game. I love it. And it's so interesting how things just carry over from one space to the other. I mean, that's, that's the amazing thing about bringing in guests from all different realms of the world that have had <laughs> success at such a high level. So Sam, thank you so much for everything that you shared here and for your, your hard work representing our country in the Olympics and the great success that you've had. I'm sure there's lots of people that want to reach out, that want to connect with you, that want to follow you online. Where is the best place for them to do that? So I'm, I'm really active on social media. Uh, Instagram is probably where I'm the most active at S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A-P-E-S-Z-E-K. So it's just my name, Samantha Peshik. And um, that's the same for Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, and all of the above. <laughs> all right. I love it. I love it. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. So any parting piece of advice that you want to leave our unstoppable army with before we wrap it up for the day here, Sam? Yeah, I think that if you have a great idea, make it happen. And no matter what obstacles or barriers come in your way, figure out the people that you want to surround yourself with to help push you to be the best you can be every day. Love it. Boom. There you guys have it from the Olympic medalist herself. Thank you so much, Sam, for being here today. Thank you to all the listeners of Unstoppable Success Radio for taking the time to be present and be invested in your growth. I want to remind everybody until next time to dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. And if you're not already a member of my private email community, I want you to text the word IGNITE to 44222. Text the word IGNITE to 44222 to get all the resources, trainings, swipe files, and tips I only share there. If you're not already a member, all you have to do is text IGNITE to 44222 to get in on all the action. Thanks so much. 